welcome to the Arena Decklist Podcast. I'm Jerry Thompson, joined as always by Brian Gottlieb. And Brian, did we lie to him last week? We said we we're going to try and keep the outrage to a minimum. Oh, um, I don't. I don't think we lied, Jerry. We just didn't know what the future had in store for us. Uh, I'm, I'm only half outraged. Don't worry. That's all. I, I'm doing a good job keeping it at half outrage, not full outrage. And I think that's the key. As long as we don't go full-blown old man screaming at clouds i think we'll keep the people engaged we only have to be a little bit uh off put is how i'd say or uh shocked is another word i would use I, i'm not necessarily mm. outraged i just I'm have not, some other emotions going on i wouldn't say that i'm shocked okay shocked was shocked was the wrong one i'll give you that okay good news and bad news we have a preview show those are usually pretty fun pretty easy to do we get to talk about magic cards that's mm -hmm. great yep. uh bad news this is coming from a jumpstart set and it's an enormous one uh give, give me the rundown on this what what does this mean i'm gonna give you the quick and quick and dirty rundown basically a whole bunch of new cards are coming to arena uh about 400-ish new cards. Uh, they're coming along with some reprints, and they're also not only just straight-up uh, reprints from Magic's past, there are brand-new Magic cards created just for this set to take advantage of Arena's unique mechanics. And all of this is going to be available to us fine players by sitting in the Jumpstart queues, which if you didn't play Jumpstart last go around, I actually think Jumpstart is a phenomenal, phenomenal idea. It's a great piece of game design when it comes to Paper Magic. Just so, so good for that arena. Uh, on Arena, it was terrible last go around. I, I did not enjoy it. And uh, basically you get two sort of preset packs, although this time there is a large amount of variation in what those preset packs could potentially hold. They have some thematic thread to tie them together, uh, but you're presented with three potential choices for one of those packs. You pick it, then you get three more choices and you pick there, you put those two packs together, you've got a small quasi seal deck, and then you play games against other people who have done the same thing with their jumpstart cards. So like I said, I think that's a really, really good idea. And for some quick, casual, uh, like between rounds, games of magic, or you have a friend come over and you just wanna slap together a quick seal deck without doing all the deck building, I think it's a really awesome idea that doesn't need to be on Arena whatsoever. Uh, and that's where we start getting into the outrage portion of the show, I believe. So, there's a lot of cards that are being injected into Historic. This is Historic Horizons, effectively. It's being delivered through the Jumpstart model. And I think that this is going to be slightly different, but the old model was 2,000 gold or 400 gems to get two of these packs. Same for this one. Okay. Uh, so this set is relatively large. How long do you think it is going to take you to, you know, acquire? It's not possible. It's, right. it's not possible. It wasn't even possible with the previous jumpstart. Uh, it was so, so time consuming. Now, what they have done is they've added, you get two rewards for playing your jumpstart matches, and they are always jumpstart 
rares or mythics. So you win two matches, you get either two rares, uh, two mythics, or a rare and a mythic, and they get added to your collection. So a little bit of a bonus there, but you have to win those two matches to get those. So whenever you're doing this jumpstart thing, you're playing a good amount of magic to get the full value out of it, and you're always going to want to get the full value out of it if you have any interest in porting these things over to historic successfully. So it takes some time. Well, you, you don't get you don't get eliminated, right? So you just get to keep playing. You do not get eliminated. Get wins. You, correct. You will always get it if you are willing to put in the time. Correct. Okay. It, it can take a long time if you get a really, really bad pairing for what it's worth. I remember with yeah. the original Jumpstart having that happen a couple times. Yeah, no, I, I believe that. So this is basically just going to eat at your wild cards. Uh, you know, say you're like us, right? Or you're an aspiring competitive player who wants to test for uh, arena opens or like PTQs or, or whatever. So you want to have access to a lot of different stuff uh, to try out different decks. Like you're just going to need to burn wild cards and then you could keep buying these jumpstart things and like hope that you get there eventually, or you just buy a bunch of packs of other stuff to stockpile wild cards to then filter in through this. Yeah. So if you are like us and the way we maintain our arena collections is we want every available card because we have work to do. We have decks to test. We have knowledge to gain. So there's really there, there's no budgeting. There's no maximization. It's just new set is out. We need all these cards that we want to test. How much is it going to cost? OK, take my money. And admittedly i don't think that is the way the average arena user engages with arena but it's the way every competitive player i know engages with arena the way the target audience for this podcast we expect to engage with arena and i know it's not entirely true i'm it's, you know, it's not but a lot of it a lot of it and i have spoken to many many people especially over the last few weeks who have just been like yeah i don't even play magic anymore but i still listen to y'all and i love you folks thank you for still hanging around for some reason and sticking it out with us um so i don't want to generalize for absolutely everyone here but a, a lot of the competitive crowd is always looking to have everything and i am telling you i don't think i can financially commit to that anymore after this set and here's where it gets problematic. If I make that decision, if I say you have injected too many cards into historic with a, whether you want to call it a predatory model or not, I don't really care, an expensive model. There's no question it's expensive. And now to be able to compete in historic, because not only are these new cards who are just like, oh, maybe I need, you know, three of these adventures in the Forgotten Realms cards to make good historic decks. No, these are cards from the Horizon set. These are pushed cards. Like there's a lot of good stuff coming to the historic format with the introduction of this set. And for me to be able to maintain that, it, it's just going to cost too much. And once I decide that I am not going to maintain a historic collection on Arena anymore, why would I maintain a standard collection? Because all I'm doing at that point is buying these standard cards and they, they have no long-term value. They essentially are there for two years and then they evaporate to me. They have no use beyond that point. And for what it costs at every single set to make sure I have a full collection, I would say it's in the range, depending on how much I'm going to actually just buy right up front and how much I'm going to play limited, which does do a good job of padding your account. Uh, it's in the range of between 100 and like, $300 to max out every set. Do you think that's a fair estimate? 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I almost certainly spend $100 on every set. And then yes. it's like, you take a look at what you opened, how many wild cards you have, what decks you wanted to build, or like what cards you wanted to craft, more or less. And it's just like, okay, well, do I need to now spend like my excess gold or my excess gems to buy more packs to like get closer to to that number? And so, yeah, there there have been sets where maybe after rotation and like you just need a bunch of stuff because like a, a new big set just dropped and you're building a bunch of decks from that. It's it's probably closer to three hundred dollars, right? And then maybe the next set is 200, the next set's 100, and then by the time the fourth set rolls around, like you're kind of out of wild cards, so you need yep. to spend like another 200 or something. So yes, 100%. This is the, I mean, you want to talk about gotcha games. This is as, basically as aggressive as it gets if you want to look at this as a video game, if you're going to engage in this way. And you don't have to. I, I concede that, and a lot of people will not be engaging in this way. But if I am intending, and that's how like I play Magic, is to have all the cards and to test everything. If I am intending to do that on this platform, something doesn't work for me anymore with this announcement. And I have to just think, all right, is it time to go back to Magic Online full time? And I'm pretty sure the answer is yes after this. It's weird because I'm still going to be incentivized to make historic content because we are the Arena Decklist podcast, and that's a big part of Arena. There's only two constructed formats on Arena right now uh, as far as the competitive scene goes. I mean, I know Brawl is out there and exists, and some people really like that. And looks like that's getting an expansion with this set as well. They're going to do some 100-card historic Brawl cues, which I think is a good thing. It's cool. Um, it's a good idea. Yep. Yeah, I'm pretty into that. But just in terms of being able to keep up this financial pace... I think I'm done, Jerry. I, I think this is a bridge too far. I think the cost to get this historic collection together after this set, I I mean, I can't even do an estimate of how much it's going to cost. I think it's going to cost way more than a typical set to have, pull all this together. It wouldn't surprise me if it's in the range of five or six hundred dollars. And, you know, with the release of the Mystical Archives and the release of four sets a year, am I really gonna spend 1400 1500 2000 dollars a year to keep playing arena when there's no cash out all these other parts of magic they have cash out and you and i being long-term magic players i mean you you know this if you've held your magic cards for any period of time you've gotten paid like we granted that's not going to happen forever at some point that's not going to hold and you won't get these huge returns and maybe you'll just take a small loss or break even, but you don't just absolutely lose all of your investment and to just throw away $2,000 on feeding my arena account every year. It's not working for me anymore, man. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not signing up for that. 2K is a lot. And when we're talking about the context of standard sets, it's like, well, this is going to be around to draft in some form or fashion, basically the entirety of it, it being legal and standard, like, mm -hmm. especially for like the first three months. I know that the queues like come and go, especially after like a new set comes out. But like, for the most part, you're going to be able to keep drafting something to like accumulate wild cards. And maybe if a new deck pops up from a set two sets ago or something it's like it's not that big of a deal to be like oh okay i have two of this card i'll spend my two rare wild cards or whatever to get yeah. this and build this deck whatever For, especially if you're willing to play off ladder i mean i think it yeah. works even more if you're playing best two out of three yeah uh and and for for jumpstart it's like i don't know man it's it's just compounding with everything else because 
initially the historic decks were old standard decks and mm -hmm. that was what historic was was like you mentioned before your cards rotate and now they're basically useless because historic is getting so powerful that old standard decks aren't cutting it obviously there are some things that are evergreen like shocklands it's like okay you have you have your playset of shocklands good great but now there are set there are cards coming from modern horizons into the format there's the mystical archive stuff on top of that it's like all your old standard cards are are just useless they are yeah and i i would expect a set like this probably every two years if that is something that they're going to keep doing i mean maybe even sooner than that how far removed are we from the mystical archive like well, i would i would put those in the same line basically well no because the archive was just this thing that was in a standard set and you got it by like opening packs and drafting it and stuff and it wasn't like you have to spend six hundred dollars to get all these cards right uh, it cost a lot it, it cost it a lot to fill out that stuff it did but this this is uh just like a shit ton of cards right and yeah. i guess with a lot of it being reprints and stuff it, it doesn't have the same dev cycle as something like mh2 would Mm -hmm. So it is possible that they could do something like this once a year. But I guess if like the, the first injection of this sort of thing is way more impactful than the second injection, I think. Yeah, that's true. You, you know, we've what seen I mean? that with Modern Horizons, too, I think. Yeah. So maybe there's a few things in Historic Horizons 2 that you need, but it's not going to be like, oh, this overwhelming, um, you know, necessity to like get all the cards to be able to play all the decks it's like well i'm pretty sure that that foundation is going to be there maybe it's going to be kind of like a standard set where you pick up like things here and there but you don't need to get the entire thing maybe. Yeah. but then again uh like the modern card pool is vast and there are a lot of different archetypes and for example in this jumpstart you have a bunch of different enchantress cards and they could just do that every single one where there's like all right here's like four things of reanimator cards or whatever and keep yeah. doing that so yeah maybe maybe it is going to be worse than i think it is but I, I feel like the first one is is going to be the worst one it's going to be the biggest hurdle to get over it's going to be a big hit for sure i want to talk about one more promise that i think is sort of being broken or at least a promise that was implied previously and is no longer there which further devalues my interest in actually purchasing all of the set when i was buying everything on standard and i was making sure i had all the historic cards I was under the impression that the future of organized play very much ran through arena, that there would be a future of organized play and whatever the new pro tour or, you know, pro system looked like it would have a lot of arena in its DNA. Uh, I, I don't even know if there will be a pro system anymore. And you've continually shown me your lack of interest in presenting these products for us, super invested players. So I need to start changing my behaviors based on what you're showing me. And why would I convince myself that I need to maintain this absolutely full co collection when the reason I did that was because, oh, I wanted to be involved in competitive play. And I was at the start of Arena. I very much was involved in all the online tournaments and everything going on. And it was a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed that era of magic. But it's come and gone. And you have done nothing to reinforce that you see Arena as a competitive core of magic. It seems like a video game to me. That's how it's being treated. It's how it's being developed. And that's fine. But I need to start treating it that way as well. And that requires me to stop giving you all my wild cards every historic set. Yeah. 
that is completely fair. Uh, I, I do think that uh, certainly during the pandemic, obviously Arena was a big part of organized play, but then they they just killed it. So, you know, I, I agree with you. Like, what what is going to be the point of us covering historic in the future? I don't know the answer to that. And there may be no point. Uh, it may be something we move away from, or maybe this will be a huge hit and the desire will be more than ever. And, you know, if, if I have to do this as a business expense, which has become a very uh, popular term amongst our fans now, they enjoyed your your definition of all these cards as business expenses. If I have to buy all these cards as a business expense, so be it. I, I will do that to keep our listeners up to speed uh, if that's what people want. But I, I think the first step for all of us should just be to ask, is this really what we need? Is this really for us? Is this a product designed to cater to the competitive player? Or is it for the person who you know, doesn't care about having a play set of everything, just wants cool new cards on Arena, and they're going to add a one-off card to their reanimator deck that they've been putting together for, you know, the entirety of the time they've been playing Arena, and they're very happy with that, and that's all it needs to be for them. And then the algorithm is going to influence their pairings on ladder, and they're still going to be able to climb to Mythic despite the fact they're playing these horrible decks. And it's just this whole other ecosystem. Right. And I think that ecosystem could get a lot of joy out of this. It's probably a really good product for them. Uh, for us, it's not a good product. It is an expensive product. Yeah. So I'm I'm disappointed because historic in my mind had potential when it was like occasionally there's a mystical archive thing or an anthologies thing and cards are like slowly trickling in. This is a massive shakeup. Yeah. And it is just going to invalidate the you know historic collections that people have accumulated already for the most part, which is very concerning to me because like the, the archive already kind of did that. This is going to do that in an even bigger way. Yes. And when we were moving towards like, oh, we're going to have like Pioneer on Arena and Pioneer will be part of like Grand Prix and PTQs and stuff like that. It's like, okay, you know, we, we play a lot of old standard cards in Pioneer, so that's that's fine. I think that that makes sense for the direction that Arena should go into, and this is just like so much more expensive than, this is like vintage compared to that, right? It, it really is. That's a really good way to put it. Uh, so I am I'm far less interested in participating in that, even though like some of these cards look kind of fun. Uh, I mean, at least like the putting like season pyromancer in historic it's like okay cool you know that's that's probably gonna do some stuff i like the idea of that but uh at that point like i'll just go play modern and i'll get a yeah. rental service for like you know 30 50 bucks a month whatever and just yeah. do that card hoarder continue to hook it up for us and i that's a great way for me to play magic and i i just am not sure i need this in my life anymore but i want to say uh things could change maybe our Cries will be listened to. It doesn't feel like it happens all that much anymore. But remember, highly doubt it. But remember, when historic was first announced, you were supposed to pay two wild cards for every historic rare. Do you remember that policy? Obviously, never that, forget. That did not stick. So uh, maybe there's potential. If enough people lose interest, if enough people are vocal about it, maybe they'll reevaluate how they want to present these cards to us. Um, and that's how I kind of want to do the rest of our show. I, I still want to look at these cards as if I am an interested historic player because I haven't made the decision yet. I don't know if I'm done. A lot of it is going to depend on the response I get from our listeners 
after this show, whether they still want us in the historic mix, if they're doing the same thing, uh, just feeling out what happens in the few weeks after the set releases, see what people are talking about, where the interest lies. I'm going to judge all that stuff before I make my final decision, but I still wanted to present how I'm feeling about this set right now in terms of a value proposition, and then I'll kick the can down the road a little bit and talk about the magic cards contained within it. Yeah, I guess the last point is that they said that they were basically suspending Pioneer Masters. Yeah. And that is the thing that is concerning to me because if they're like, yeah, Historic is going to be its own Wild West thing, but we're still going to work towards Pioneer, I'd be like, okay, like I would hang around for that, you know? But now that they're just like, nah, we could probably just make way more money with Historic stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Then I'm just like, okay, well, you're doing that and not doing the pioneer thing. So now I'm in the same boat as you, where I'm just like, this is too much of an expense. And also why, you know, it's not like you're making it worth it for us to play historic and like have collections and uh, grind out a bunch of games and create content on the format. Right. So what are we doing here? It's a question we ask almost weekly on the arena decklist podcast. I'm glad we got to ask it one more time uh, this week. Okay, well, that said, I do like talking about Magic cards and their place in their respective formats and things of that nature. Uh, Historic is the way it is right now. Again, this set is very large. It is full of powerful cards. I would imagine that, you know, saying like, oh, this card could go into this deck that exists in Historic right now is probably not going to be the best way to go about things because it's very likely that the decks that are good and historic are not even going to be decks. Agreed. After this. Agreed. So uh, I'm sure that there's going to be some amount of like, oh, I could see playing this in Phoenix, blah, blah, blah. But for the most part, I think it's better if we come at it from like, what sort of new archetypes does this spawn? I agree with you. And and just like raw power evaluations I, yeah. are very useful as well. Um, you know, thinking about how this discussion has gone thus far, it does feel like we sort of buried the lead a little bit because it feels like most of the, I don't know if it's just buzz or anger or weirdness around this set has actually been focused on these new cards. And I I will tell you for me, I care a lot less about that than just the absolute fleecing of the economy. Like these new cards are weird. Uh, They're unique. They further fracture the historic experience from the reality of the paper game but that ship has long sailed and at this point like we said we've sort of accepted historic as the nonsense format i don't actually mind these unique cards all that much what's your take on them uh the the thing with splitting off like arena historic from potentially being able to play it in paper i think is a pretty bad move because you almost certainly could have imagined, you know, say the pandemic ends earlier or whatever, uh, or even, you know, six months, a year from now, paper events like come back in in full force. SCG is doing a show almost every weekend or whatever. You very easily could have seen historic on the SCG tour. I always thought so. I mean, that was that was always my take, but a lot of people felt very differently. And it's now increasingly clear that Wizards never had any intention of making Historic a paper format. Right. And I I didn't expect them to try and make it a paper format, but like there would have been paper tournaments for it. 
and people I think, would have fought against their decision. Uh, what do you What do you mean? Well, o- almost the community just makes it happen, oh, regardless of the fact yeah. whether Wizards is actually sanctioning it. You just have these, like, th- they won't be able to be part of organized play, right? Because that has to be like a sanctioned format. But you have these one off things where people do it, and if they are extremely successful, then yes, they could get wrapped into all of these things that we're talking about, SCG tours, all that. Yeah, I think I think historic on the SCG tour, like historic uh you know maybe even like post mystical archive or whatever i think that that would have been super popular yeah and now with with these cards that are doing things that are only capable through a digital client you know maybe maybe those cards don't stick in historic and then it it just doesn't matter right but like now you have the the extra step away from it where it's like well these these cards are banned in paper obviously right and it's like if if one of those forms like the backbone of a deck in arena historic, then the, the formats just aren't the same anymore and you can't yep. do that. So I think that this is potentially a big mistake uh, as far as promoting historic in general. Uh, abstractly, I agree with you. I, I just don't think it matters though because I, I don't think they were ever going that route. They they were just going to fight against it the entire time. And you, you know but why why, why? Yeah, yeah that, that doesn't make something, any sense that's something i can't answer for you and maybe it's they see uh the they want unique allure of the platform where you can only do this thing if you go play, play arena and no i i would okay that is that is so backwards because but, but jerry that's backwards for you and that's backwards for me but is it backwards for this, Magic this is, Arena player as a video game. That's how you have to look at all these decisions. This is like era 2000 stuff where you're like, I don't want to make Magic Online too good because it's going to cannibalize the IRL player base. I, I no, it doesn't do that. It means that you get more of their time because you get them away from home and when they're at home. And there are a, a huge portion of people who like maybe play Arena but don't play Historic and then SCG Tour starts doing it. That person watches SCG Tour and they can just play from home. like. That's going to get more people onto Arena. Why, why would you want to segregate the things? It doesn't make any sense. Because they, they just don't see those players as a noteworthy entity. They see it as such a small percentage of the population that they don't even, it doesn't even cross their mind in the decision-making process. I'm not, I'm not saying that's right. We talked at length when we had Cedric on about why I don't think that's right. Why I think you can plan and make magic a lifestyle brand and why so much of magic success is based on exactly what you're speaking about. I, so I'm I, not disputing that. I, I just think this is how they view this thing now. I agree, but you can do both. That's the thing. I, it's I agree. not 100%, it's not separate. 100%. But anyway, they're not. Anyway, back to these cards, right? So uh, example. Static Discharge, 1R, Sorcery. This deals X damage to any target where X is three plus the number of charge counters on this, then put a perpetual charge counter on this card and each card named Static Discharge in your hand, library, and graveyard. So this is, doesn't matter if it changes zones or whatever, the counter stays on it. This is this is very reminiscent of things like Eternal, where yeah. in Eternal, you give a creature minus two, minus two, like it, it's a three, three, it becomes a 1-1, one, one, it dies, it goes to the graveyard as a 1-1, one, one, you reanimate it, it comes back as a 1-1, one, one, you know? Uh, that stuff was pretty weird to me. It did, it, that's coming from me as a Magic player, right? Yeah. But like, from a digital-only client, that stuff makes sense. I think that this is definitely thing a thing that Magic could do. I think that is a thing that you should 
only do the good versions of and not like the novel versions of or the versions that are very frustrating where we're talking about like creating random cards or random effects or whatever. Uh, in the case of something like Static Discharge, cool. Uh, the, you know, perpetual minus one, minus two card or whatever. It's like you're you're doing that because you discovered that you can. But is this a thing that you would want to put in this set if you were just starting from scratch and weren't you didn't have this, you know, overarching thing where you're like, oh, we have to make a bunch of cards that do things like this, you know? And well, I, I think that card in particular, the let's get the name of it if we're going to talk about it. Uh, Davriel's Withering is what you're talking about. That's B instant target creature perpetually gets minus one, minus two perpetually means, like you said, all zones everywhere. That that's actually an important card in the context of the format right now with the existence of Visit Phoenix, right? Yeah, sure. But I, you know what I mean? Like if, if you were just making the file from scratch, would you be like, oh, it'd be great to have this card. This really does great things, blah, blah, blah. And I don't think that that's the case. They're, they're yeah. only doing it because they had a certain amount of cards like that, that they wanted to hit. Okay, so this is this is like not splashing anyway, right? It's not exciting. And you would rather see them assign excitement points to this mechanic if you're going to do it, not make just a fairly stock removal spell with some format-based upside. Pretty much, because you look at that okay. and it's like, okay, you know, you played... Uh, like, Land of War Elves, okay, your one-mana your one removal spell kills it, right? And it's it's always going to kill it. Yeah. Uh, and then there's there's maybe slightly bigger things like death shadow or whatever it's like well this isn't an actual removal spell so you don't want it against that against like a single arc light phoenix okay it kills that phoenix forever doesn't matter if the phoenix comes back you know just gonna die again whatever uh so as a thing against phoenix it's, it's basically a magma spray it's as good as a magma spray yep that's that's not exciting and it's as good as magma spray against phoenix <laughs> not not against like any two two or whatever or three three or whatever yeah, it is. You're right. It it doesn't really blow your socks off. Uh, it being in a different color, it like certainly matters and is format impactful. But that's not the point you're trying to make. You're trying to make the point that it just doesn't blow anyone's socks off. Isn't really worth the complexity points that you're putting in, or just the the branching decision to be like, okay, we have these unique cards now. The payoff could be much larger. Right. So I don't like that aspect of it. Uh, some of the cards are hit or miss for me. I I think that, you know, coming from a fairly sizable Hearthstone background, like I haven't played in in multiple years because uh, Blizzard sucks for a number of reasons, but there there were mechanics like that that I liked where uh, Discover, for example, was like maybe mm -hmm. there's, you know, nine to 12 cards in the Discover pool and it shows you three of them at random and you choose one. It's like, that's random, but it's really not because it, the pool is so small. You're like, well, if I hit like, you know, A, B, C, D, I'm fine, right? Either one right. of those four cards. And it's like, it's pretty rare that you miss or that it creates like these absurd game states or whatever. And I think a lot of the stuff that Arena is doing is the stuff that is not Discover where it's like, it's it's random to the point of it not being fun and it being like very obviously in your face random. And mm. Discover was just like, you know, you did it. It was it was kind of fun. You had like a nice little sweat 
and your opponent was like, you know, did they hit the thing that that you needed? But like they knew, uh, kind of like the pool of cards that you could select from and stuff like that. So I don't know, man. Uh, I I basically like Discover and didn't like a lot of the other stuff where. Uh, like babbling book for example there's like a really famous example from worlds in like 2015 or 2016 where uh, it's just like create a random magecraft spell and basically like zero outered their opponent in top eight of worlds Mm -hmm. and it's just like that stuff is silly and should not exist and it's just like not not really fun for anyone yeah i i mean look there's a reason i play much more magic than i do hearthstone beyond just like companies being terrible uh it's that i like my variants a little bit mm, i don't really know the right way to phrase it it's not quite i guess off the cards is how i would say it like i, I want it to be involved in the entirety of the gameplay process not just a discrete instance of here's this thing of variance yeah, see like- eg my hatred for collected company Sure. Yeah. So like draw steps, the the mana system. Yes. Things and like that. That's the beauty of magic. That's the yes. most brilliant part about magic is that it has that system for variants built into it. And I again, I know the argument. I know it's like video game arena player doesn't get that. And we need ways to make the variants more facial. And I just cringe when I hear that kind of insistence because... Uh, there's a reason magic has outlived all these other games and has outshined all these other games. And it, it is because the variance is a bit more off the cards. Yeah. Uh, you ever play with Ragnaros? Yes. That's eight damage to to anything, right? Uh, so anything it's, your it's side? an eight mana, eight, eight that like that can't attack. And then at the end of your turn, deal eight to a random enemy. So like either one of their creatures or your opponent. Yep. And there are times where you're just like, you know, my opponent has six creatures. I'm going to play this and hopefully kill one of them. And then the Ragnaros will get attacked and like soak up some damage or whatever. Like they'll have to kill it. And and it's like, okay, that's fine because kind of like discover it's like, yes, it's random, but it's not. You're like playing this eight mana flame tone copy effectively. Mm. And you know, you just, you have a pretty uh, significant statistical chance of like hitting a creature and like it doing that thing occasionally it just like hits your opponent's face and you lose the game whatever um or win the game right and so that's the instance i hate is when like Mm -hmm. you get your opponent down eight your opponent has a full board you play ragnaros and you're you're like you're playing this nice game and it just gets to a point where like okay now we could now we flip a coin to see who wins (laughs) yeah right yep that actual coin flips that sucks that is what we should not be doing do you think anything in this set goes that far? I, I, I really don't. Uh, not yet. Okay. Let's hope uh, it stays that way. There, there's stuff that's like, not like, oh, in your face, over the top random or whatever, uh, but there are some things where, I guess like Davriel, for example, I'm going to pull up this list because it's massive. So big list. Planeswalker, 2BB, 4 starting loyalty, uh, Davriel Planeswalker, plus 1. Until your next turn, whenever an opponent attacks you and or Planeswalkers you control, they discard a card. If they can't, they sack an attacking creature. Minus 2. Accept one of Davriel's offers, then accept one of Davriel's conditions. 
I'll get to that in a sec. Minus three target creature perpetually gets minus three, minus three. So uh, the offers, there are eight of them. The conditions, also eight of them. This is just like, it's way too much going on. Like, yes, this is leaning into the arena client. Uh, in, in theory, this is kind of fun. But I don't know, man, for like a four mana card, this is a lot of planning, right? Like when, when I'm deciding whether or not I should play like my four mana four, four or my planeswalker, it shouldn't take me 10 minutes to decide. It should not. And it is a way of putting way too many words on a card. Again, another beautiful part about magic elegance. The fact that you are word restricted on cards text, is good. Text box is only so big, man. It's good so for much. magic. It's awesome that there is a text box size and it restrictions breed creativity. I'll, I'll steal it right from the mouth of magic. And you just took all the restrictions off this card and you let it do whatever. And it's too big now. And I, I agree. I, I am not super concerned because I don't think this card is great and it's probably not going to be in a lot of scenarios, but this is one that I think is pretty dumb and just takes advantage of the fact that like it has this space. And when I say take advantage, I mean in a bad way, like it, it's not good for cards to have access to that much text because it misses what makes magic special. I think if this was like, four and four maybe it would be okay like three and three would be in the realm of like okay this is awesome uh eight and eight is just absurd it's a lot i i just i can't imagine anyone casting this card in a timely manner you know it's just absurd to me no i'm right there with you don't don't love this one i am i am hopeful that it is not particularly playable but I, I honestly don't know. I mean, it, it's too hard for me to unpack with all these branching paths. And we are sure that the way it works is you get a choice between all of them, right? Uh, so Davriel will offer you three choices from the eight. Oh, okay, three from the eight. Okay. And then, um, yeah, so it's like you have to weigh. So like, not only is it like, oh, here's like 16 different things that you have to consider maybe happening. Uh, well, I guess like more if you like actually count the different combinations or whatever, but then it's like you play it, you minus two, and then it might not even give you the thing that you want. Right. So then, then there's like this randomness attached to it. So then you potentially feel bad because you invested four mana and like, you know, time in your life thinking about whether or not you should cast this card. Right. And, and then your opponent's like pissed off because you hit the thing that you need to hit. Right. Yeah, this one's tough. This is this is a tough pill to swallow. So, I hope I never play against this card. So you want to be like, oh, this card's like pretty sweet and pretty fun. Uh, you know, maybe in like casual formats or whatever. No, it's pre-banned in Brawl, which makes what? sense. Yeah. Wow. So this is for the competitive player then. That's why we made this card. I I don't know, man. Okay. You you said what to the extent of like I I have to actually uh check to make sure that I read that correctly. Well, I, I trust you. I had not read the brawl exclusion list thus far. Uh, so if, if you think it's it's not allowed, that's probably the case. Uh, I think there were two cards. Hold, hold, holding. I feel for you navigating around the wizard site right now trying to find it. Uh, banning both Davriel's Withering and Davriel's Soul Broker. 
Definitely. So that's the minus one, minus two card, right? Oh, yeah. So so you can't target a commander with it. That's right. why they're doing that. So what the hell, man? Oh, you're Lord. making this perpetual stuff for Arena, and then you're like, oh, also, Brawl Q, oh, BT Dubs, it doesn't work with any of the mechanics that are in this set? Huh. Now, now I am browsing quickly to see if there is any other perpetual minus because that that's why this card is not included it's because of target creature perpetually gets minus three minus three yeah like you're bricking my arc light phoenix now you're potentially bricking someone's commander right like they have a two two commander and it's just like well that doesn't work anymore yeah i i wouldn't have made this mechanic then i probably would have passed on it i i don't know i guess that's why they banned davriel though because of the target creature perpetually gets minus three minus three oh i think so i think so for sure and so they, they released the article saying that they're they're pre-banning those cards, which probably means those are the only ones. Probably. Right, because they won't release the that article yeah, unless yeah, yeah. all those other cards have been previewed. Okay. Uh, this this card's making my head hurt now. I don't, anyway. I don't think I can talk about this one anymore. Yeah, so again, what are we doing here? Uh, <laughs> we're, we're doing it because we can, not because we should. And it's like, okay, why? Anyway, uh... 40 minutes in, do you want to actually talk about magic cards? I, I would like to talk about magic cards, yes. I would like to touch on them. Uh, so I... <laughs> there's, there's not a full list of cards that have been previewed. Uh, MTG Goldfish has a lot of them. Scryfall has some. Scryfall has like some newer ones that Goldfish doesn't have. The Mothership is still uh, giving like 24 to 48 hours to let the preview people handle it before they add to their stuff. So it's like, okay, fine. Uh, so I'm going to do the Scryfall ones and then we'll go alphabetical by rarity from Goldfish. Yeah. Yes. That works for me. Uh, the reprints. We're not going to talk about the text. The new ones. We'll talk about the text. So new card, long tusk stalker G one, one creature cat. Whenever this enters the battlefield or attacks, you get an energy Pay EE. Boo. This perpetually sorry, sorry. gets plus one plus O. Oh. You may choose a creature card in your hand. If you do, that card perpetually gets plus one plus O. Oh. It's perpetual stuff plus uh it's energy and just love it. <laughs> you all- started you started with what was destined to be perhaps my least favorite card of all time. Because anyone who has listened to this podcast for any length of time knows how much I hate energy. Okay, so I- in in the grand scheme of things. Could Long Tusk Cub uh, Rogue Refiner decks use a boost in Historic? Yes, because they are very, very, very far off from being playable. This does not do that. No. So I don't understand. What do we do? I I I don't like energy as a mechanic. I've said that many times. Um, I, in fact, I actually had mostly forgotten that energy was on Arena. That's how rarely I've encountered it with the addition of like Etherworks Marvel. We thought that was potentially uh, an interesting card hasn't been for the most part uh really i see voltaic brawler more than anything else probably right. uh so there's there's very little energy being played right now i don't think this does much to change that like you said they could use another another pip on their energy counter but i was hoping we'd just never do this again because i think energy is one of the worst mechanics in magic's history overall not a terrible magic card though it's fine it's it's fine-ish um i i think anything that can generate persistent resources is always worth paying attention to um the fact that you will 
usually get your two energy out of this makes it strong enough. Um, and you could certainly see games where this like scales up very hard over the course of the game and uh, punishes control decks really well, potentially from energy strategies. So th there are uses for it. I just hard to get me to say good things about energy cards. Right. Uh, you could potentially see play in Gruul alongside Voltaic Brawler. Uh, they have like, you know, Land Rose and Pell Collector, but could almost certainly use another one drop. I don't know mm -hmm. if this actually does it. Uh, there were a lot of things in Hearthstone where like pumping the creatures in your hand led to some infinite combos or whatever. I don't think that that's necessarily the case here, but something to look out for, you know? Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Uh, Season Pyromancer. Awesome card. Talked about this before. It's it's a mythic, uh, so that hurts my soul because I'm sure that there are going to be other mythics that I'm going to like want to craft and play with potentially. So uh, this being in the set is cool. It is good. I think it would do good things for Historic. Uh, but the more things that are like this that exist in the set, the less likely I am to participate in Historic. Yeah, uh, this is a really successful design from the first Modern Horizons an example of a card that like goes nicely into historic as it exists now uh, is somewhat exciting. So glad to see this made the cut, um, but mythic. So get those wild cards out. New card, Mana Gorger Phoenix, RR22, Creature Phoenix flying. This can't block. Whenever you cast a spell, if this is in your graveyard, put a flame counter on it for each uh, R mana symbol in that spell's casting cost. If this has five or more flame counters on it, return it to the battlefield and it perpetually gains plus one, plus one. Uh, cool card, cool design. Unsure how many times you're going to cast like five spells or things with a bunch of like R pips in them or whatever uh, to recur this thing. So don't think it'll see much play. Uh, it technically uses the perpetual thing, but you could also just come up with a design for this that did not use that. So whatever. Now, now I have to play the game. Is this other card legal in Historic? And I, I think it is. Fanatic of Mogus, is that legal in Historic? No. No? Wasn't it in, like, Jumpstart? Oh, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, you just knowed me because it shouldn't be legal, but now I have to actually Google and see if yeah, this dude, card is present. I have a great idea. Go to Gatherer and see if it tells you it's Historic legal or see if they even register Historic as a set yet. Uh, I, I think they did, actually. Good for them. Sets. Jumpstart Arena exclusives. Uh, okay. But the first thing did not uh, have all of the Jumpstart cards. Is that true? But it, but it says Jumpstart Arena exclusives. I know what so it says, Brian. That makes I me think. You. <laughs> I heard that you. That makes me think. But I don't know that that's true. I actually think Fnatic of Mogus was the replacement for Flame Tongue Kavu. Okay, so whatever. Maybe it's on Arena, maybe it's not. Who could possibly know? But uh, you're trying to say that like, oh, this would be a good card for Mono Red Devotion. You're, yeah. co you're correct. That's not a deck still, so it doesn't matter anyway. Probably not. Um, I occasionally see Fnatic of Mogus in some weird spots in like the weirdo decks in a modern league or uh, even a Pioneer League from time to time. So I, I'm a big believer in that card, but this format is so out of control that it doesn't really track with any of those anymore because we do have things like the mystical archives. So mostly agree with you. I just wanted to highlight it for that. And I think building around this card to maximize it is an interesting experience. I don't know that you'll end up with anything 
uh, that ultimately is all that good. Hardened scales. Uh, we have Zabaz in this set. There is Winding Constrictor. We do not have uh, Hangerback Walker and more importantly, Walking Ballista. So mm. I doubt that these will ever actually do anything because just building a bunch of tall creatures generally does not amount to much. Yeah, I think we will need uh, some more backup. I assume there's probably more backup coming with a bunch of the Horizons cards entering Historic. There there was a lot of modular stuff and things like that floating around these last couple sets. So there could be enough payoff. Uh, my hope that is if there is payoff, the deck looks different enough from quote-unquote traditional hardened scales deck to be something exciting, something new, something novel. And I do think there's a possibility of that given the unique card pool we're dealing with. Yeah, I, I just don't believe that there is a version of the deck that exists without Walking Ballista. That is a fair point. And uh, just so you know, this whole time I've been on Arena actually looking there to see if Fnatic Mogus is legal. It is. so. Okay. Did you craft them yet with your thousand Not uncommon wild cards? <laughs> Not yet. Um, I only have 265 uncommon wild cards. Damn, dude, you're slacking. Well, and you call I, yourself a whale. I usually, before I, a new set comes out, I just get all the commons and uncommons that I will ever want from the set. So that way I have something to burn those on and then I get some extra vault yeah. progress. Yeah, ideally, uh, there would just be a button that you could click to craft all the commons and uncommons, but... That'd be nice. But yeah, that would, uh, you know, get you more rare wild cards in the long run. So why would they implement yeah, that? Yeah, can't do that. Can't do that. Uh, okay, on to the goldfish side of things, starting with Mythic Rares. We talked about Davriel already. Uh, we have Kiora, the Tides Fury, 3U, 4 loyalty, plus 1. Conjure a Kraken Hatchling card into your hand. That's U for an 04. Plus 1, untap target creature or land, prevent all damage that would be dealt to and dealt by that permanent until your next turn. Minus 3, you may sacrifice a Kraken if you do create an 8-8 blue Kraken creature token. What a bizarre mythic rare in a set where there's also like Season Pyromancer at Mythic Rare and Yogmoth and Ranger Captain Rio. Just all these like super powerful cards. And then there's this. Uh, yeah, I, I guess this is for the historic Brawl players. Enjoy. Yeah, this is uh, an arena only type of card where I'm like fine with it. But again, it's like the, the plus one gives you an 04 for for you right mm -hmm. why does it need to create a kraken hatchling card how much would you have to tweak this card to have it make an 04 or you know like do you make this card cost one mana more do you make this a zero instead of a plus one like you're you're just doing it to do it i agree with you the novelty of like putting a you know token card, card into your hand. hand it's like wow yeah. but it's it's a kraken hatchling man I also think you could just like really do that and you could find a way to do that in paper if you really wanted to. That's the thing. Like all these things that seem impossible, they're just impossible because we've never done it before. Yeah. And you like you could track Phoenix if you had to. Is it ideal? No. But like you, you could do all this stuff if you needed to. That is true. Uh, Ranger Captain Vios, again, like like Season Pyromancer, good card. Uh, unfortunate that it mostly shows up in modern in like creature combo decks, but... We don't really have that here. So this will just be like a, a fine value card. 
Uh, this card has seen some play alongside Death Shadow, uh, which is a card that hasn't really had a chance to do much. Also true, in... and you were building some white-black shadow decks. You played uh, Ranger of Eos, which... I did. You know, uh, four mana is a lot more than three mana, especially yep. in a deck where you're like trying to play 20 lands or whatever. So yeah, I could see this instead of uh, actual Ranger of Eos. That makes sense. I, I think so. And also I'll, I'll note that, yes, there is not a lot of creature combo presently uh in historic but also there's not ranger captain of eos and I, I think this card is that good like it's that consistent where it makes those archetypes much more viable um even things like like soul sisters like life gain decks they will appreciate the addition of this card oh yeah i've i've built some of those decks mm, we'll get ready to build another one in no no in the, the early days of historic like anthologies one or two or whatever anyway mm -hmm. uh sarkin wanderer to shiv three r for starting loyalty plus one dragon cards in your hand perpetually gain this spell costs one less to cast and you may pay x rather than pay the spells mana cost where x is mana value zero conjure a shivan dragon card into your hand minus two this deals three damage to target creature uh this would be a fine card for like a standard or like standard, pioneer yeah. thing or whatever but like you know you're putting modern cards into historic so Agree with your assessment. Nothing else to add. Maybe it'll be really fun in my jumpstart pack. I hope so. The first sliver, whatever. Uh, are there any slivers that don't have Cascade? I guess there's like, there are other slivers in the set, so maybe. Yep. Yeah, there's like bone size sliver and muscle sliver or whatever the new version of muscle sliver is. They're, they're coming. Uh, so, you know, something to keep an eye on. I don't think we have anything really to do with slivers yet. Yogmoth, Ran Physician. This is a combo deck in modern alongside Undying Creatures. So I don't know if you have, I mean, like you have Hepatra in this yeah. format. So that is lethal. There's not a ton of like creature tutory things here yet, but could potentially be a deck. There was a point where I actually believed in Yogmoth as just like a fair card. I thought there was a chance it could matter. And also, there's like a bunch of humans and a pretty good mana base for it on Historic. So it could matter in that role. Uh, it's seen some spot play in Human Sideboard in the past, but I think more likely something will at some point make a combo with this card, and it, it will do the same thing it does in Modern. Uh, Bloodbraid, uh, Bloodbraid Marauder. Uh, I, I still think this card is very good. I need to do more building with this in Modern. I never really followed through with uh, the article that I wrote on this card, but in terms of Historic, uh, no Street Wraith, no Architects of Thought, no Tarfire, no Mishra's Bobble. Uh, this is going to be tough. Delirium's a lot harder sell in this format, and that's going to matter a bunch for uh, a few cards here. I mean, we're getting the Delirium cards, so who knows? Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to do the thing where we do a whole podcast talking about, oh, would you put Ponder in Historic? It's too strong, and then Brainstorm is spoiled the next day. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe we're getting Mishra's Bauble and all this other stuff, and it's all going to be here. Um, and the Delirium package will be complete. But for the time being, it's going to be tough to put this together. Bone Scythe Sliver, uh, also Cloud Shredder Sliver, whatever. I'm just not going to list any of the slivers from here on out. Uh, Brea's Apprentice, like, okay, cool draft card. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. You can maybe find a home in some type of artifact thing. Uh, we have like the wand out there. Uh, what is it? Something of black staff, black water, black deep nonsense from the latest D&D &D set. 
Um, and if you get a few insoles alongside that, maybe this card sees some spot play, but wouldn't worry about it too much. Chitter splitter. I still don't even really know what this card does, so I'm just going to pass. Squirrel stuff. Maybe they'll use my token for the squirrel token. Oh, yeah, maybe. Night. You think that's possible? No. Oh, okay. Dark Salvation and Diagraph Colossus. This is big for you. This is this is a big deal. Is it? Well, if it's big for anyone, it's big for you. How about that? Uh, there's also Undead Augur. So there are some nice zombie cards, not going to lie. Uh, if you put these cards in current historic, do I think that they could compete? Hell no. So... Uh, does that mean that when you put some more modern cards in that it'll compete? I'm guessing not, but probably, probably not. You know, I mean, you're getting closer to having like a historic brawl deck or like a gladiator deck or whatever. So that's tight. Yeah, you get to be a Thoughtseize deck, which is is something. Uh, it's good, but there's a lot of good Thoughtseize decks out there. I am skeptical this will be the best one. Endling, whatever. Esper Sentinel, yeah. dope as hell card. Yeah, I know you're excited about that one. You're a big Esper Sentinel fan. Uh, just good for a bunch of archetypes for sure and, human love that it's a human yeah uh Thali's lieutenant also in this set and yeah. still a ways off of like having a playable humans deck but uh you know it's it, we're not quite at modern level really right so like do you need it to look exactly like modern humans no i don't think so and these those two cards like definitely get me thinking about trying the archetype out again yeah, it's getting closer for sure, and and the mana is pretty good as well. So yeah, they're they're both rares, you know, so that blows. Uh, it's mm. way less likely that I actually try them out, but we'll see. Goblin Engineer. I know that the artifact support is pretty limited in Historic, and I'm you know that's mostly by design, right? A lot of the stuff that this was like tutoring for and juggling in and out of play are relics from like the Mirrodin sets and things like that. So yeah. Uh, probably not going to do it, but I don't know. It's, it's there if you want it, I suppose. Yeah, as long as there's like underworld breach stuff floating around, I, I believe this card can do something. And what it's supposed to do, I don't know. That's going to take a deep dive into the format. And uh, I have not done that since this card has been previewed. So. Lonus Cryptozoologist has seen some play in modern alongside... Urza and Academy Manufacturer, uh, sometimes Asmore. Yep. And it is just like kind of a fine value card too, really, but probably a little bit too slow for Historic just as a value card. And I guess we have Collected Company, so that's something. Maybe another piece in like a creature combo shell. We do have... Wasn't wasn't Shatterfang spoiled? Yes. I don't see it on this list, but I, I did see it somewhere else. Yeah, so like that, that was like, you know, part of a 30 card combo or whatever. So I don't know. Uh, I, I, I like this card quite a bit. It just makes a lot of raw resources in a lot of scenarios. It's also important as like another cheap legendary creature. True. Um, so you can do Mox Amber shenanigans. I, I built decks around this card when Modern Horizons 2 was being previewed. And nothing really manifested all that powerfully, but you know, there's there's weirdo cards out there in this format, and this is going to demand another look, almost certainly, because it does have some powerful output. It just it does that thing where it generates raw resources, much like Asmore and Underworld Cookbook. And do you think that one's coming? Because we do have Oval Chase Daredevil. 
It better not, man. It might. It might. Wouldn't surprise me. It better not. Nettle cyst. I really like this one. Good, fair, clean magic. Uh, yeah, good little living weapon. I, I think this is like an already supported archetype in the format, so this will see some play. Parallel lives, whatever. Uh, pool of vigorous growth. New card. 1G artifact. X tap. Discard a card. Create a token that's a copy of a random creature card with mana value X. Activate only as a sorcery. Just Momir Vig Avatar. Let's go. This feels like it should be exploitable in some way. I, I don't know exactly how or why, but just just pitching something um, r routinely that you get back over and over through whatever shenanigans you want to get up to. You just make uh, a bunch of ornithopters or whatever the zero is. Yeah, I mean, I, it, I mean it's a zero persistent discard outlet. outlet. Yeah, yeah, persistent discard outlet is worth a lot too. So th there's something to be done with this card. I know it seems like way too random for it to ever have a shot, but that's not really what this card is about. You're less concerned with the output and more concerned with the interaction and the value where if you're generating anything, that's enough. Um, but it's totally possible that this format has also passed those kind of engines by. It, it wouldn't shock me. Likely. So... You have cards that are conjuring like Tropical Island and Shivan Dragon and stuff. There have been cubes on Arena, so you know that some of the cards that are not in this format are coded for Arena. Yep. I think that if you're going to do a Momir thing, it should not just be like a it creates from a pool. That, anything. Yeah, it should be anything. Like potentially including even banned cards, you know? Maybe it'll be doing that. We'll see. We'll see how it works. Priest of Felrights, cool as hell card. Love it. Don't know yeah, if there's this, any support, but whatever. No, we were big on this card even during the Modern Horizons preview season, though. Not, not that we thought it was one of the best cards or anything, but thought it had potential. Uh, it, it probably still has that same potential in this format. Just got to find the right reanimator target. Return to the ranks. I've written a few articles, uh, you know, like when Luris came out and things of that nature where it's like, wow, there's a, a lot of stuff in like white black sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And I guess maybe if like return of the ranks or rally, the ancestors ever comes to the format, then these decks can potentially be tier one. And my closing thought was always like, well, that should never happen. Shouldn't because this card can't do anything good. Like it can't do anything fair. It can't, it, it can be, fun for a certain type of person probably myself included like i want to build the deck um but if this ultimately proves to be very good that's not going to be great for the games of magic being played i'll tell you that right now the bright side is maybe the format just passes it by it's possible uh, all these cards i i just don't know with the existence of the mystical archive it's really hard to pin down just how powerful this format is. I know the answer is very. Yeah. Uh, in, in some aspects, it was stronger format than modern when like Brainstorm was available. And that's been scaled back a little bit, but there's, there's still a lot of unique cards here that we're going to have to unpack all of them for sure. The one thing I will say is that this is a rare, but the rest of the cards that form this archetype are like common, uncommon, or are go. things that were like played in standard. You know, like they're all bad cards, basically. So you probably already have them or they're cheap to craft. So it's possible that this is like one of the archetypes that could spring up, become popular because it's a thing that people love doing and it might just be relatively cheap to build. You found your deck. Congratulations. Sanctum Weaver, Sterling Grove, 
uh, Scythus, Harvest Hand. I'm sure that there's some other nonsense. Uh, we have some Enchanter stuff. This is weird to me. Uh, it was kind of weird to me that it showed up in MH2, and now they're like, yeah, let's just put it all into Historic, too. It's like, why is there a sudden push for Enchantress? Especially in the case of Modern, where they're like solitary confinement locking people, you know? Yeah, I actually like that. I, I think we disagree on this point. Like, I, I know that's a stupid way for a game to end, but to me, I want all the play experiences to be present in Magic, including things like stupid prison decks. I, I don't think they should be good. I just think they should be there and occasionally around. And I expect that this should fall about in the same place, although I don't know if there's anything as egregious as like solitary confinement lock, uh, or maybe there's something worse. Who knows with the historic New card! card. Your your opponent per perpetually loses the match or whatever. <laughs> it's totally possible. Uh, we'll have to keep an eye on that. I, I like these cards existing, though. It's funny to me because I think the deck would be much stronger in Modern if there wasn't a lot of incentive to play cards that just incidentally hated on Enchantress, mm -hmm. where the food decks made it so people were playing like Fracturing Gust again and... Yep. There's a lot of cheap creatures. And again, the food decks, like people are playing a lot of engineered explosives and stuff. And Enchantress just, you know, kind of kind of has to take it, you know. But if if those things didn't exist, I think Enchantress would be really, really frustrating. Instead, it's been like, oh, thankfully, I have all these like force of vigors in my deck, you know. Yeah, well, maybe we'll have that here as well. Seems seems plausible. We could get cards like that, although maybe not. Maybe that's a coding problem. Uh, oh, what is doing the like piss pitch force thing? Can, oh, we, can yeah. we do that? Uh, I mean, I'm sure they could, right? I I don't know. I'm I'm not sure of anything really. I uh, do know that if you if if you have Jasper Sentinel and Magda, it's still like doesn't auto, work. Yeah, it still auto passes to your turn. Right. So like, why would you assume that this would work yeah. appropriately? Uh, Sliver Hive, Thalia's Lieutenant, we talked about those. Subversive Acolyte is a new card. BB22 Creature Human. Pay two mana, pay two life, choose one, activate only once. Either this becomes a human cleric, it gets plus one plus two and gains lifelink, or it becomes a Phyrexian, it gets plus three plus three and gains trample. And whenever this creature is dealt damage, sacrifice that many permanents. So this is just this doesn't say perpetual, right? No, this this it, could just be a real card. But, but this it, is this is less confusing than figure of destiny. But it also doesn't say until end of turn. It it does not. But it doesn't say perpetual. I don't understand. Well, perpetual is still end of game, right? Oh, sure. Okay, so it's yeah. so that's confusing though, right? <laughs> it is confusing, especially given that this is a unique to arena card that could just be a real card. Uh, all right, I'm off it. Uh, Thought Monitor, Gas. Yeah, you love this card. If it's if it's doing unfair things, which I think it will end up doing eventually, I'm less excited about it. But, you know, we have, like, Treasure Vault and Nettle Cyst and whatever, just a bunch of crap, then I think it's awesome if it's feeling that sort of archetype. Yeah, I'm going to play it alongside Emery because I'm just a jerk like that. But Enjoy... Spending all your rare wild cards, you fool. Yeah. Uh, Tome of the Infinite. I had I had this open in another tab. I closed it. I'm not going to go look for it again. Uh, to you, legendary artifact. You tap, conjure a random card from the spell book into your hand. It perpetually gains. You may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast a spell. There's like eight cards, 
whatever. Source the plowshares, light of hope, ponder, force spike, dark ritual, duress, lightning bolt, assault, strobe, giant growth, fog. Did you say force spike? Force spike. Garbage. What the hell? Get force spiked. That's that's going to be that one outer you're talking about. I mean, nobody should ever play this card. It, well, hold on. I actually want to think about that. Let me think. Is there a plausible scenario where I might want this card? It's not a bad engine, and it generates like you know cardboard resources where maybe if it serves up a bunch of force spikes that don't do anything, you like loot them away or something. I don't know. It's it's not terrible. It's probably there, worse than Narset or whatever. Yeah, there's a lot of swings here too. Like hitting a salt strobe in a, a lot of scenarios is not going to be what you're looking for. So maybe it's dope though. Could be. Could be anything. Could be a boat. Uh Verdant Command, cool, whatever. Wonder, sure. Uh Boneyard Aberration. I'm not even gonna read it. Dragon yeah, Rage's channel. Silly one. Dragon's Rage Channeler is a uh Yes, Dragon's Rage Channel. Like yeah, I keep messing that up and I realized halfway through my article last night that it's not Dragon Rage's Channeler, it's Dragon's Rage Channel. So Dragon to... Rage's Channeler. Uh, that doesn't make any sense. I right? don't know. Dragon's Rage Channeler also doesn't make sense. Like it it does from an English perspective point of view, but why would you name the card that? Why wouldn't it be like Channeler of Dragon Rage or whatever? You know, Ooh, I, I do like Channeler of Dragon's Rage better for sure. That sounds much cleaner to me. Anyway, uh, yeah, talk about the card without Mistress Bubble. This card is so good that if if a Delirium card can withstand not having Mistress Bubble, it's this one. Um, and then that might open up further Delirium cards like uh, your Cascading Friend. I, <laughs> This just points to me in the direction of like, there's going to be some big shots as we do the rest of the preview season. I mean, although they're not doing Ragavan, which like probably a good idea, but still a completely arbitrary place to draw the line because this is kind of better. In in some instances, this is better. It would, the absence of Mishra's bauble, I think Ragavan would clearly be better. Um, but we'll see. We'll see if there's a way to rebuild around this card because it's unquestionably so so powerful. And it has it has shown itself to be completely modern format defining. I expect it should do the same in historic, even if the delirium trigger is much harder to get to. Also, no fetch lands here, which is worth noting, which is funny because this is a format that could actually bear the fetch lands pretty safely since it's an all digital format. But I'm sure it's coming eventually like that. That'll get more wild cards from us. So just just wait. Uh, we have we have Phoenix as a top deck in the format and we have looting. Uh, aside from that, I think that this deck will also spawn a bunch of different archetypes. There's also like the Arcanist shells, the red mm -hmm. black ones, where I think that yep. this, this card will be pretty good there. It should be very good there. It's just good in everything. Whatever. Powerful magic card. Uh, what else? We could probably like spot check the rest of this, right? Uh, got yeah. like some ninjas, some slivers. Yeah, there's like the shoreline scout, which is the thing that puts a tropical island in your hand. It's a U for a merfolk scout. When it enters the battlefield, you may exile a merfolk card or a land card from your hand if you do conjure a tropical island card into your hand. As long as another merfolk or an island enters the battlefield under your control this turn, shoreline scout gets plus one, plus zero. I actually sort of like what this card does. Uh, I, I think this is a good use of that design space. Uh, a way for an archetype which severely needs help to get some help in a very unique, flavorful way. So 
thumbs up to the design on this card. I, I don't think it makes Merfolks good or anything, but I, I just like the idea here. Yeah. Uh, scrolling. Ninja the Deep Hours. Cool. Yeah, oh, Unholy card. Heat. Big, big pickup. Uh, I just actually got my foil on Holy Heats in the mail. Hell yeah. Because because it is such an important card in modern, will remain so. And, you know, like I said, more and more reasons to make the Delirium Hoop worth jumping through. We'll, we'll find a reason to do it if you're going to give us cards this powerful. Well, so Dragon Rage's channel, Dragon's Rage Channeler. There you go. Uh, is active on turn two a lot of the time in modern, largely because of Mitra's Bobble, and also because there's just a bunch of one mana interaction, right? And like mm -hmm. diversity of card types, whatever. In historic, with the stuff that we have now, but also taking into consideration Faithless Looting, I still think that on average it will be active like a turn later. And that's still completely fine in the context I of this so. format. And yeah, in I, the case in the case of Unholy Heat, it's it's a shock early. Like you don't need it to be online until much later. So yeah, if your delirium is a turn slower, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I, I agree. Should be an important card in several existing decks. And uh, if, if this delirium thing pans out, it'll be important there as well. Uh, card is busted and it was just in the last dump of MH2 previews. It's very strange. It was. They snuck it by us. It's like Magmatic Sinkhole was a card that people were pretty excited about, saw a decent amount of play as a one of in a lot of different stuff. And this is just a much better, much more palatable version of that. And now we just get it in every format. Uh, okay, cool. You think we're going to get uh, Ethereal Forager? Uh, I think that card would be sweet. I, I like that card. I don't know if it'd be like good for the format or whatever, but I do think that that card is fun. I think it's coming. That's my prediction. We're going to get that one. Maybe in Anthology 6 or something. <laughs> if they don't get us now, they'll get us later. We know that. Well, it, it just doesn't fit the mold for the set that has all the Modern Horizons cards in it, right? Oh, I'm, I'm talking about the wrong one. I'm sorry. I, I'm talking about the Modern Horizons card, and I named it wrong. Murktide Regent? Yeah, I don't know why I called that Ethereal oh, Forager. I'm, uh, I'm sorry. That, that card sucks. I like that card way less than I like Ethereal Forager. Okay. So, so you but, want a card that... It's certainly not coming. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to get your hopes up like that. I was curious about the modern card, which is extremely powerful in modern right now and would slot right into a bunch of decks that exist. Yeah, that card that would be very format. strong. Yeah. It would be like, oh, you, you play Phoenix? Well, you could play some of these if you want. Oh, you play Control and you want, you know, some sidestepping backup plan? Well, like, yeah, have some dragons. Uh, Faithless it, looting in the mix. Yeah, I mean, it would it would spawn... A few different archetypes, for sure. But it, maybe it's coming. It would not surprise me. I mean, I think that uh, two mana on the front side delve cards are generally pretty fair. And this is, like, big, big, mm -hmm. you know, as far as power and toughness is concerned. But that's that's doable. Make people play removal, whatever. I, I'm just so interested to see the set unfold and the shots they're going to take. Like, we know there's... A bunch of non-horizons reprint stuff coming and that's where you can really change the tone of this entire format do we get thought scour like is that a card that's coming to replace brainstorm 
I don't know. Anything is possible right now. And the, the only thing that's certain is that Historic is not the same format once this set is released. It's not even close. So Thought Scour was in original Jumpstart, but is not on Arena. Okay, so they passed on it once. They did. Uh, given the the way things and, and seem to... And then they got brainstorming. <laughs> right, yeah. See, the, the way the things seem to be rapidly changing, we're like, you know, speed it up, slow it down kind of yeah. thing. It, it wouldn't surprise me if they were like, okay, well, now Thought Scour's fine because it probably is, really. So, maybe. It's hard. It's hard to make any kind of logic in, when it comes to the format where Brainstorm was deemed to be okay. The, so. the betting lines for, for this format would just be so wild right mm. where it's like oh do you think that this card will come to historic in the next three months or whatever it's like yo who knows i would take a lot of action on all of those and I, i'd probably lose a bunch because who can understand what's happening presently i'm sure if you just slam yes on all of them you'll probably win big right it's a big set it's possible uh it, it's interesting again i don't know how much we're going to be participating in the future and i definitely want to hear feedback from other people because i we're we're wailing it up as a result of us being content creators and i can't imagine that there are people who are wailing significantly harder than we are no i it, it just seems like all of our people you know the the people we associate with we're, we're the ones who are holding this thing together uh on the whale side and I don't know. Maybe the overall impact of us whales is pretty meaningless once you compare it to the broader player base and where the money actually comes from. And they don't have to worry about alienating us, which fine, more power to you. Do it, do it the way that works best. Yeah. I mean, if they um, do alienate me, I guess, thank you. Cause it'll get, you got some money back. It's like a bonus yeah. reverse business expense. What do they call those? Those are bonuses, right? I suppose. Uh, I think it could have like a weirdo positive impact for Magic Online too, where you get some of the standard player base back, which would be cool. It that's I mean that's the thing that's keeping me away from just making the shift, right? Is that there isn't always that critical mass of standard players on the format, yeah, on the platform. But but, but it, then again, you start every month in bronze or whatever because we don't play a ton, right? So then it's it's not like we're really getting that great of an experience anyway you know if they if they had tournament type of things where no matter what you signed up you got pretty good competition maybe starting at like round three or something yeah then that would be fine but even as is i think like both platforms are pretty useless for testing if you're just trying to like play against random opponents uh i would say it depends on the the format for Magic Online, I think some of the formats are stronger no, than no, others. No, no, no. Yeah, I, I was talking specifically about standard. Specifically standard, yeah. No, like, I, I so joining a modern league, like, for someone to be playing modern on Magic Online, that's a big investment, right? Like, you yeah. have to at least have some grasp on, like, the format, what's going on. You, ha you have to be in it to some degree. Yep. And my experience playing the leagues has been very positive. Uh, maybe, like three or four matches, my opponents are definitely heads up and know what's going on. And then the majority of my opponents in the weekend challenges know what's up. And yeah. I, I feel like I'm getting actually useful testing there. That makes sense because it's, it's the same players playing all of them. Yes, exactly. And, uh, they, they've all sharpened their skills to a, a pretty substantial degree at this point. Yeah, but, you know, playing playing standard, who knows? Playing standard on arena against random opponent, it, it's almost certainly not great for you. So yeah. I, I would... If standard had 
more people on Magic Online, I would just 100% be back on Magic Online and not even mess with Arena. Well, now that I have you talking about Standard, there is an Arena open this weekend. Oh, God. Yeah, there's a SCG tournament also. SCG tour online as well. You got any opinions on Standard? We don't, we don't have to go deep, uh, but I, I think if you have a deck you like or you've seen something in the metagame you want to share with our listeners, they would appreciate it. Uh, I just named the first thing that came to my mind last week, which was Mono White, and uh, I I knew that Winota was good, but had not played with it because of all the random wild cards that I did not want to spend for it, since the format's like about to rotate. So mm-hmm. uh, last week, I think the correct answer was Winota, and this week, I think the correct answer is still Winota. Uh, mostly agree. That deck is very, very good. Uh, the, the Naya versions are well built. Big pickup in the form of Prosperous Innkeeper. Even Minsk, I think, is an important card. It's solid. So that that's a fine choice. I do expect people will start to account for that deck a bit more this week. I but, do too. It was but better, it's a solid deck. It was better last week than it was this week, for sure. Yep, it's a, it's a solid deck. It does its thing very consistently. It's doing all the disruption stuff. So uh, personally, I have been playing some standard this week. I am back playing Mono White. Maybe not the version you would like quite as much i'm I'm back on my book nonsense uh i I think in general people left book way too soon and especially given the way this new metagame is shaping up i would take another look because a lot of the natural predators of the that type of approach are starting to be squeezed you know i i talked about sultai being a good choice last week i was wrong just hard wrong uh sultai got kind of ranched by everyone and it remains to be seen what number of Sultai decks will show up this weekend. Uh, the other thing that I will probably keep bringing up is Jeskai Mutate far outperforms its representation every single time yeah. uh, and has been for months. I remember I wrote about this deck probably, I, I don't know, two months ago when I, I saw Riley Hicks playing it consistently on the SCG Tour online and just winning all the time. And I was just like, I'm pretty sure this is the exact same scenario we had with like Team Clover when Aaron Gertler was winning and everyone was just like, oh, this deck is tier two, tier three, nobody's paying attention. Uh, no, actually the deck was just super hard to play. And once you mastered it, you got paid really hard. I think that's exactly what's going on with Jeskai Mutate. And it is a fine, fine choice for any upcoming tournament. Very powerful deck. Good to see my my buddy Lord Drake is finally getting his chance to do a little work. <laughs> yeah, you knew. You knew that it was powerful, potentially exploitable, just like maybe didn't go hard in the right way, maybe didn't have all the pieces that it needed, maybe the metagame wasn't in the right spot, you know, but like definitely a powerful card. Yeah, good magic card, and it is proving that with this deck. And this deck kind of does it all. It goes long it has some more explosive starts so uh big fan of jeskai mutate if you're willing to put in the work to understand it beat down play winota play mono green if you want to i think both of those are fine that's all i got game game Good luck.